Section 10 of the Argonautica. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Argonautica by Apollonius Rhodius. Translated by R. C. Seton. Section 10. Book 3. Part 2. Now when the thralls had laid a banquet ready before them, and they had refreshed themselves with warm baths, gladly did they please their souls with meat and drink, and thereafter Aetes questioned the sons of his daughter, addressing them with these words. Sons of my daughter and of Phrixus, whom beyond all strangers I honoured in my halls. How have ye come returning back to Aea? Did some calamity cut short your escape in the midst? Ye did not listen when I set before you the boundless length of the way, for I marked it once, whirled along in the chariot of my father Helios, when he was bringing my sister Circe to the western land, and we came to the shore of the Terhenian mainland, where even now she abides, exceeding far from Colchis. But what pleasure is there in words? Do ye tell me plainly what has been your fortune, and who these men are, your companions, and where from your hollow ship ye came ashore? Such were his questions, and Argus, before all his brethren, being fearful for the mission of Aeson's son, gently replied, for he was the elder born, Aetes, that ship forthwith stormy blasts tore asunder, and ourselves, crouching on the beams, a wave drove on to the beach of the isle of Enialeus in the murky night, and some god preserved us, for even the birds of Ares that haunted the desert isle before time, not even them did we find. But these men had driven them off, having landed from their ship on the day before, and the will of Zeus, taking pity on us, or some fate, detained them there, since they straightway gave us both food and clothing in abundance, when they heard the illustrious name of Phrixus and thine own, for to thy city are they faring and if thou dost wish to know their errand, I will not hide it from time. A certain king, vehemently longing to drive this man far from his fatherland and possessions, because in might he outshone all the sons of Aeolus, sends him to voyage hither on a bootless venture, and asserts that the stock of Aeolus will not escape the heart-grieving wrath and rage of implacable Zeus, nor the unbearable curse and vengeance due for Phrixus, until the fleece comes back to Hellas. And their ship was fashioned by Pallas Athena, not such a one as are the ships among the Colchians, on the vilest of which we chanced. For the fierce waves and wind broke her utterly to pieces, but the other holds firm with her bolts, even though all the blasts should buffet her. 
and with equal swiftness she speedeth before the wind, and when the crew ply the oar with unresting hands. And he hath gathered in her the mightiest heroes of all Achaea, and hath come to thy city, from wandering far through cities and gulfs of the dread ocean, in the hope that thou wilt grant him the fleece. But as thou dost please, so shall it be, for he cometh not to use force, but is eager to pay thee a recompense for the gift. He has heard from me of thy bitter foes, the Saramatai, and he will subdue them to thy sway. And, if thou desirest to know their names and lineage, I will tell thee all. This man, on whose account the rest were gathered from Hellas, they call Jason, son of Aeson, whom Cretheus begat. And if in truth he is of the stock of Cretheus himself, thus he would be our kinsman on the father's side. For Cretheus and Athamas were both sons of Aeolus, and Phrixus was the son of Athamas, son of Aeolus. And here, if thou hast heard at all of the seed of Helios, thou dost behold Aegeus, and this is Telamon, sprung from famous Aeacus, and Zeus himself begat Aeacus, and so all the rest, all the comrades that follow him, are the sons or grandsons of the immortals. Such was the tale of Argus, but the king, at his words, was filled with rage as he heard, and his heart was lifted high in wrath. And he spake in heavy displeasure, and was angered most of all with the son of Chalciope, for he deemed that on their account the strangers had come, and in his fury his eyes flashed forth beneath his brows. Be gone from my sight, felons, straightway, ye and your tricks, from the land, ere someone see a fleece and a phrixus to his sorrow, banded together with your friends from Hellas, not for the fleece, but to seize my sceptre and royal power have ye come hither. Had ye not first tasted of my table, surely would I have cut out your tongues and hewn off both hands, and sent you forth with your feet alone, so that ye might be stayed from starting hereafter. And what lies have ye uttered against the blessed gods? Thus he spake in his wrath, and mightily from its depths swelled the heart of Aeacus's son, and his soul within longed to speak a deadly word in defiance, but Aeson's son checked him, for he himself first made gentle answer. Aetes, bear with this armed band, I pray, for not in the way thou deemest have we come to thy city and palace, no, nor yet with such desires. For who would of his own will dare to cross so wide a sea for the goods of a stranger? But fate and a ruthless command of a presumptuous king urged me. Grant a favor to thy supplicants, and to all Hellas will I publish a glorious fame of thee. Yea, we are ready now to pay thee a swift recompense in war, whether it be the 
Saramatai, or some other people that thou art eager to subdue to thy sway. He spake, flattering him with gentle utterance, but the king's soul brooded a twofold purpose within him, whether he should attack and slay them on the spot, or should make trial of their might, and this, as he pondered, seemed the better way, and he addressed Jason in answer. Stranger, why needest thou go through thy tale to the end? For if ye are in truth of heavenly race, or have come in no wise inferior to me, to win the goods of strangers, I will give thee the fleece to bear away, if thou dost wish, when I have tried thee. For against brave men I bear no grudge, such as ye yourselves tell me of him who bears sway in Hellas. And the trial of your courage and might shall be a contest which I myself can compass with my hands, deadly though it be. Two bulls with feet of bronze I have, that pasture on the plain of Ares, breathing forth flame from their jaws. Them do I yoke and drive over the stubborn field of Ares, four plough-gates, and quickly cleaving it with the share up to the headland, I cast into the furrows the seed, not the corn of Demeter, but the teeth of a dread serpent that grow up into the fashion of armed men. Them I slay at once, cutting them down beneath my spear, as they rise against me on all sides. In the morning do I yoke the oxen, and at eventide I cease from the harvesting. And thou, if thou wilt accomplish such deeds as these, on that very day shall carry off the fleece to the king's palace. Ere that time comes, I will not give it, expect it not, for indeed it is unseemly that a brave man should yield to a coward. Thus he spake, and Jason, fixing his eyes on the ground, sat just as he was, speechless, helpless in his evil plight. For a long time he turned the matter this way and that, and could in no way take on him the task with courage, for a mighty task it seemed, and at last he made reply with crafty words. With thy plea of right, Aetes, thou dost shut me in overmuch. Wherefore, also I will dare that contest, monstrous as it is, though it be my doom to die. For nothing will fall upon men more dread than dire necessity, which indeed constrained me to come hither at a king's command. Thus he spake, smitten by his helpless plight, and the king with grim words addressed him, sore troubled as he was. Go forth now to the gathering, since thou art eager for the toil. But if thou shouldst fear to lift the yoke upon the oxen, or shrink from the deadly harvesting, then all this shall be my care, so that another too may shudder to come to a man that is better than he. He spake outright, 
and Jason rose from his seat, and Augeas and Telamon at once, and Argus followed alone, for he signed to his brothers to stay there on the spot meantime, and so they went forth from the hall. And wonderfully among them all shone the son of Aeson for beauty and grace, and the maiden looked at him with stealthy glance, holding her bright veil aside, her heart smouldering with pain, and her soul, creeping like a dream, flitted in his track as he went. So they passed forth from the palace sorely troubled, and Chalciope, shielding herself from the wrath of Aetes, had gone quickly to her chamber with her sons, and Medea likewise followed, and much she brooded in her soul all the cares that the loves awaken. And before her eyes the vision still appeared. Himself what like he was, with what vesture he was clad, what things he spake, how he sat on his seat, how he moved forth to the door. And as she pondered, she deemed there never was such another man, and ever in her ears rung his voice, and the honey-sweet words which he uttered, and she feared for him, lest the oxen or Aetes with his own hand should slay him, and she mourned him as though already slain outright, and in her affliction a round tear through very grievous pity coursed down her cheek, and gently weeping she lifted up her voice aloud. Why does this grief come upon me, poor wretch? Whether he be the best of heroes, now about to perish, or the worst, let him go to his doom. Yet I would that he had escaped unharmed. Yea, may this be so, revered goddess, daughter of Perses, may he avoid death and return home. But if it be his lot to be o'ermastered by the oxen, may he first learn this, that I, at least, do not rejoice in his cruel calamity. Thus, then, was the maiden's heart racked by love-cares. But when the others had gone forth from the people and the city, along the path by which at the first they had come from the plain, then Argus addressed Jason with these words, Son of Aeson, thou wilt despise the counsel which I will tell thee, but though in evil plight it is not fitting to forbear from the trial, ere now thou hast heard me tell of a maiden that uses sorcery under the guidance of Hecate, Perse's daughter. If we could win her aid, there will be no dread, methinks, of thy defeat in the contest, but terribly do I fear that my mother will not take this task upon her. Nevertheless, I will go back again to entreat her, for a common destruction overhangs us all. He spake with good will, and Jason answered with these words, Good friend, if this is good in thy sight, I say not nay. Go, and move thy mother, beseeching her aid with prudent words. Pitiful indeed is our hope, when we have put our return in the keeping of women. So he spake, and quickly they reached the backwater. And their comrades joyfully questioned them when they saw them close at hand, and to them spoke Aeson's son, 
grieved at heart. My friends, the heart of ruthless aeties is utterly filled with wrath against us, for not at all can the goal be reached either by me or by you who question me. He said that two bulls with feet of bronze pasture on the plain of Ares, breathing forth flame from their jaws, and with these he bade me plough the field four plough-gates, and said that he would give me from a serpent's jaws seed which will raise up earth-born men in armour of bronze, and on the same day I must slay them. This task, for there was nothing better to devise, I took on myself outright. Thus he spake, and to all the contest seemed one that none could accomplish, and long, quiet, and silent, they looked at one another, bowed down with the calamity and their despair. But at last Peleus spoke with courageous words among all the chiefs. It is time to be counselling what we shall do, yet there is not so much profit, I trow, in counsel as in the might of our hands. If thou then, hero son of Aeson, art minded to yoke Aetes's oxen, and art eager for the toil, surely thou wilt keep thy promise, and make thyself ready. But if thy soul trusts not her prowess utterly, then neither bestir thyself, nor sit still and look round for some one else of these men. For it is not I who will flinch, since the bitterest pain will be but death. So spake the son of Aeacus, and Telamon's soul was stirred, and quickly he started up in eagerness, and Idas rose up the third in his pride, and the twin sons of Tyndareus, and with them Oneus's son, who was numbered among strong men, though even the soft down on his cheek showed not yet. With such courage was his soul uplifted, but the others gave way to these in silence. And straightway Argus spake these words to those that longed for the contest. My friends, this indeed is left us at the last, but I deem that there will come to you some timely aid from my mother. Wherefore, eager though ye be, refrain and abide in your ship a little longer as before, for it is better to forbear than recklessly to choose an evil fate. There is a maiden, nurtured in the halls of Aetes, whom the goddess Hecate taught to handle magic herbs with exceeding skill, all that the land and flowing waters produce. With them is quenched the blast of unwearied flame, and at once she stays the course of rivers as they rush roaring on, and checks the stars and the paths of the sacred moon. Of her we bethought us as we came hither along the path from the palace. If haply my mother, her own sister, might persuade her to aid us in the venture. And if this is pleasing to you as well, surely on this very day will I return to the palace of Aetes to make trial, and perchance, with some god's help, shall I make the trial.' 
Thus he spake, and the gods in their good will gave them a sign. A trembling dove in her flight from a mighty hawk fell from on high, terrified into the lap of Aeson's son, and the hawk fell impaled on the stern ornament. And quickly Mopsus with prophetic words spake among them all. For you, friends, this sign has been wrought by the will of heaven. In no other way is it possible to interpret its meaning better than to seek out the maiden and entreat her with manifold skill. And I think she will not reject our prayer, if in truth Phineas said that our return should be with the help of the Cyprian goddess. It was her gentle bird that escaped death, and as my heart within me foresees, according to this omen, so may it prove. But, my friends, let us call on Cytheria to aid us, and now at once obey the counsels of Argus. He spake, and the warriors approved, remembering the injunctions of Phineas, but all alone leapt up a Farsian Idus, and shouted loudly, in terrible wrath. Shame on us! Have we come here, fellow voyagers with women, calling on Cyprus for help, and not on the mighty strength of Enalius? And do ye look to doves and hawks to save yourselves from contests? Away with you! Take thought, not for deeds of war, but by supplication to beguile weakling girls. Such were his eager words, and of his comrades many murmured low, but none uttered a word of answer back. And he sat down in wrath, and at once Jason roused them, and uttered his own thought. Let Argus set forth from the ship, since this pleases all, but we will now move from the river, and openly fasten our hawsers to the shore, for surely it is not fitting for us to hide any longer cowering from the battle-cry. So he spake, and straightway sent Argus to return in haste to the city, and they drew the anchors on board at the command of Aeson's son, and rowed the ship close to the shore, a little away from the backwater. But straightway Aetes held an assembly of the Colchians, far aloof from his palace, at a spot where they sat in times before, to devise against the Minye grim treachery and troubles. And he threatened that when first the oxen should have torn in pieces the man who had taken upon him to perform the heavy task, he would hew down the oak grove above the wooded hill and burn the ship and her crew, that so they might vent forth in ruin their grievous insolence, for all their haughty schemes. For never would he have welcomed the Aeolid Phrixus as a guest in his halls, in spite of his sore need, Phrixus, who surpassed all strangers in gentleness and fear of the gods, had not Zeus himself sent Hermes his messenger down from heaven, so that he might meet with a friendly host much less would pirates coming to his land be let go scatheless for long. 
men whose care it was to lift their hands and seize the goods of others and to weave secret webs of guile and harry the steadings of herdsmen with ill-sounding forays and he said that besides all that the sons of phrixus should pay a fitting penalty to himself for returning in consort with evil-doers that they might recklessly drive him from his honour and his throne for once he had heard a baleful prophecy from his father helios that he must avoid the secret treachery and schemes of his own offspring and their crafty mischief wherefore he was sending them as they desired to the achaean land at the bidding of their father a long journey nor had he ever so slight a fear of his daughters that they would form some hateful scheme nor of his son absyrtus but this curse was being fulfilled in the children of chalciope and he proclaimed terrible things in his rage against the strangers and loudly threatened to keep watch over the ship and its crew so that no one might escape calamity end of section 10